Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and the difference only you can make. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Onward and a compass helping difference makers live their legacy at Akimba Workshops and Creative On Purpose. Visit creativeonpurpose.com to learn more. This season we're learning, excuse me, this season we're drawing insights and inspiration from guests successfully embracing uncertainty, navigating adversity, and making things better doing work that matters. Let's meet today's guest. Steve Morris, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and the difference that you're making? Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on the broadcast. I really appreciate it. So um, as you mentioned, my name's Steve Morris. I'm a business coach. I help come into businesses and help leadership teams really get aligned with where they're taking a business, figure out where their obstacles and their issues are, and get everybody on the same page uh, about where they're going. You can find out about me at uh, catalator.com. It's my website. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Stephen A. Morris. Always happy to uh, connect with people and have a conversation. Fantastic. I'm always really interested in, especially with with guests that are fellow coaches, um, it's such a weird, weird job. <laughs> I'm always interested in origin story. How did you How did you come to this work? Is there, is there other work that you did before you, you began Catalator.com? Yeah, well, that's a good question, Scott. So I had a really cool and interesting start to my career designing multi-million dollar racing yachts and building and coaching teams to help our clients win the world's most demanding yacht races. So I've been coaching and leading teams, you know, my whole career. Um, and I learned a, a tremendous amount in those early years about really what it took to be a great leader and about the incredible importance of processes and systems because we had boats, like I've got these models behind me on the wall here, out in the middle of the Southern Ocean, thousands of miles away from land, right? No one's going to come to help you <laughs> if uh, something breaks. But I really developed this deep passion and curiosity around what it really takes to build uh, an awesome, high-performing team. Um, I worked with some incredible teams, Olympic-class sailors, like really inspirational, um, top-shelf people. I also worked on some teams where we had a lot of resources, but we just didn't quite get there. Um, and that really sort of formed a puzzle in my head at that time about, you know, how can we, how can this be better? <clears throat> so I'm curious about the, so it's always interesting how, well, I'm, I won't put words in your mouth. When you look back at even going further back than that experience working with high performance um, yachting teams, what's the, what's the through line? What's the theme that you see? Is it, is it around performance? Is it around leadership? Is it around teamwork? I, you know, I really love helping people get unstuck. And I think that that's sort of, um, you know, where you sort of come, you know, if I sort of go back, back, back further and further, I mean, I, I love helping people and particularly, you know, people who um, are confronted by obstacles and, and Scott, you know, I've noticed you, you know, you post a lot on, on LinkedIn about stoicism, right? And this sort of philosophy, taking these frameworks um, that have been around for thousands of years now, right? And um, people use these frameworks to help them move forward. And, and to me, you know, out of all of the uh, many, many parts of stoicism, it's sort of like this idea of 
the obstacle is the way, right? And you sort of think about um, all of the times in my life when I've sort of been stuck or at some point when I'm just, I don't know how to move forward here and, and the resistance in that, right? The shying away from that, but then uh, of that obstacle, but then sort of having this, this philosophy, this framework, this thing inside you that says, you know, the obstacle is the way. This is difficult. This is really sucky. Um, I'm having a hard time here, but going forward and going into that um, is something that that's the, that's the only way through. And, you know, my first job out of college, I was actually working on a professional sailing team, actually on this, on this white boat here. There was a boat that was getting ready to sail around the world. Um, so I'd gone to engineering school. <laughs> my job on the boat was doing the computer performance analysis, but I still had to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go train with the crew um, in the gym because, you know, we all would go out sailing together during the day to get the boat ready. And I still remember, like, this, we, we had this um, Commonwealth Games gold medal weightlifter. He was our trainer, um, incredible guy. But he would put us through, you know, these exercises to basically toughen us up, right? And we'd be there with these, you know, we had a, a bar on our backs doing squats endlessly, and he's always saying, another 30 seconds, nothing. It just seemed to go on forever and ever. But that sort of feeling of, like, that's how we're going to get better, right, is to go through that, the pain of that training, um, and and when we get out on, on sailing and things happen out on the boat, well, it's okay because we've done the training. Um, so, you know, really leaning into obstacles and figuring out that that's the path forward has been a huge thing for me uh, throughout my whole career. Mm, yeah. So the <clears throat> obstacles way is a, a, a quote from Marcus Aurelius that um, obviously uh, Ryan Holiday's turned into a very successful book. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you, you mentioned, you referenced resistance earlier, and this is, you know, one of the things that is really interesting to me is how frequently we are looking to eliminate resistance when in fact it's resistance that actually develops us and makes us stronger. We don't grow without there being some resistance, some friction and having to, to um, push, push through resistance. The other thing that I really just want to reflect back from what you said that I think is really important is this, you've referenced two things. One, I would frame them as, um, as guiding principles and processes. So guiding principles like this is who I am and this is what I believe and this is what I'm here to do. And then this is how I do it. And so I'm wondering what, in your work with high performance teams, what do you find to be the common um, guiding principles and the common process? Or, if there is a common process, great. But if not, what's what's the process that you're able to help them uh, put together so that they can level up to where they want to be? Yeah. So um, you know that, that's a um, good way of sort of trying to look at you know the, this work that we do as coaches. And so you know the guiding principles I see is you know, these frameworks that really do provide us with um, a path forward. 
Um, and in terms of, so, you know, in building a leadership team and building a business, it's like getting everybody on that same page about having, you know, the vision for the organization and where you're going. And to me, like these guiding principles come down to like talking about really important things, like what are the core values in the business? Um, because oftentimes I sort of see, you know, when I'm, I'm having discussions with teams, um, you know, they're having difficulty perhaps like hiring the right people into the organization or they're having some um, doubt about like, you know, should we be going down this path? Should we be taking that choice? You know, the decision making. Um, and so to me, like those guiding principles are, well, you know, what are your core values? Like what, what's your purpose as an organization? Like, why do you guys get up out of bed every morning and come to work and do the things that you do? And when we can talk about those things and we can get them, you know, fleshed out and, and written down on paper, now we've got something, um, you know, that provides a North Star for yeah. where we're going. And then as you're talking about, you know, these processes, um, so I'm a professional EOS implementer and EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. And it is a complete proven set of processes that have been used in 10,000 businesses here in the US and around the world to help business owners and their leadership teams um, get three things we call vision, traction and healthy. You know, it's vision for the organization, getting everybody on the same page with that. And then traction from the standpoint of getting the discipline, the accountability, becoming masters of execution, and then healthy from the standpoint of making sure the leadership teams are healthy, functional, cohesive leadership team, you know, which takes me all the way back to the beginning of my career. Like, you know, that deep passion and curiosity about getting a group of people together to go on an amazing mission and achieve incredible things. Yeah, what comes up for me is um, how important in all of that. So defining your values, defining your vision and and creating the mission and the goals and strategy that will help you, you know, that are on mission that serve your vision, all really, really important. One of the things that I find uh, also really important, so you can have the best vision in the world, you can have the best mission in the world, you can have the best goals, the best strategy. Uh, and to the, to the point of your work, if you don't have the best people or maybe even better, the right people, um, it's very difficult to have everything else right, but have the people wrong and get to where you want to go. I'm just curious about in your work, where do you find uh, or or how do you find whether or not the right people are on board um, as they're trying to execute all these other parts? Yeah. Well, so the saying is, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? <laughs> That's the thing. And I experienced this, you know, very, um, you know, viscerally with some of the, the teams that I worked with. Like, you know, you'd go on board the uh, on the boat, you'd be training with them and, and helping them, you know, with the performance of the boat. Things are working like clockwork. Everybody is like working together, coordinated. And in those teams, I really saw um, that the, the, because they weren't sort of like arguing about, you know, you're going to pull this rope, you know, what's my job, that sort of thing, it freed up their energy 
to look up and out of the boat and to be much more strategic. And then so the whole crew, the whole team's bringing information in that helps um, everybody move forward. And then in contrast to that, you know, what, I'm, what I've ex also experienced is being on some teams where, you know, we've had these great resources and, you know, and you see it in a lot of professional sports, you, you, you go by the, you know, the best people you can, <laughs> get them on a the, on the team, put them in a room, that doesn't mean they all work together, mm -hmm. right? And so why is that? Um, and it comes down to, you know, really getting on the same page about, you know, things like core values. And that's exactly, you know, what I work with uh, with my clients is we establish that. And these are not, <clears throat> the work that we do here is about discovering the core values of the team. It's not about being aspirational and saying, oh, yes, you know, we want to be, you know, respectful and we want to have integrity and all that stuff. It's like, no, if you can't tell me a story about how you've demonstrated how, you know, this core value, how it's shown up in the last week or the last month, then it's probably not something that you're actually doing now. So, you know, what are you as a team doing now? And, and we discover that and we get that written down and, and come back to it. Does it still look good? And then we use that as a filter to, to look at everybody on the team and to, as a filter for hiring new people um, in the interview process, you know, lay those core values down on the table and say, this is who we are as an organization. Um, and to tell stories about, you know, how these things show up in the workplace and then to say to the prospective uh, interviewee, you know, it's like, is this something you see yourself being a part of? Can you share these core values, right? And, and then that filter also provides a, a way of, effectively sort of repelling people who uh, don't want to be a part of a company that has those core values. So I, I think it's, um, I mean, I've seen this in the past too, is sort of like if, if you don't sort of really say, this is who we are, this is how we practice working together, this is the things we believe in, then you can end up with, you know, how do you hire people? <laughs> who do you end up with on the team? They're not the right people, ultimately. You know, if you if you haven't had that sort of in depth um, examination of it, so I think it's really important, and and that's a, a way of making sure we get the right people on the team. Yeah, we had Jacqueline Novogratz on the broadcast some months ago, and one of the things we were having a very similar conversation around. Um, one of the the lessons that she shared is she um, has learned the lesson about you know it's you can when you're when you're hiring just for skills and not paying attention to the person and their values you can get into some very dicey situations and when you are hiring just based on character um you might not get the correct uh collaboration uh complementary skills together that are going to move you forward so there's there's definitely a little bit of both that need to come into the equation but one of the things I know from my time, especially as a, as a musician and a band leader, is I, I fell into the trap of I always wanted to have the best players that I could get and afford. Um, turned out that in the music world, being the best at your instrument in a geographical area does not make you the best person necessarily. <laughs> um, and so 
through the process of experience, just discovered like, oh, I can actually hire really good people and I can train them to become the best in their instrument as opposed to hire the best. Because it's very difficult to hire someone that's the best on their instrument that's not a good person and then teach them how to become a good person. So yeah. really appreciate um, that reflection. I'm couple couple questions uh, around just the challenges. So as difference makers, as coaches, you know, we we are involved in doing work that's very, very fulfilling, of course. It's also work that's very, very fraught. Um, it's human work and we are, you know, doing the difficult thing of making change happen. What's what's the biggest challenge that you experience? And I know that it varies from, uh, you know, organization to organization, I'm sure. But is there a common theme or a common challenge that you find in this uh, helping helping teams become high performance teams? Yeah. So, of course, you know, we're all human. Um, and, you know, as, as people, you know, coming into businesses and making up leadership teams, um, people issues become, you know, the most sort of prevalent issues I think that I see and, and work with, with, with clients. And they're difficult, right? Um, people, it's difficult, but also dealing with people issues is, is difficult. And, um, you know, people are reticent to sort of really have the, the conversations that they want to have. So oftentimes there's sort of like a lot of kind of dancing around, um, the elephant in the room, right? Which is that maybe we don't have the right person uh, in the right seat on our leadership team. Um, and I think that that's, that's the hardest thing because I'm like, we all sort of tend to grow into leadership roles in businesses, perhaps oftentimes because of, you know, maybe more of our technical skills and things like that. There's very little training um, on sort of, you know, how to become that, that leader that has the good people skills. I mean, some of it sort of tends to come to some people innately, um, but there's not a lot of sort of objective training around that that I see. So, you know, you end up with people in leadership positions who um, don't know how to have a difficult conversation with a direct report or even one of their colleagues. Um, and, you know, Patrick Lencioni, you know, he wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, you know, he talks a lot about um, you know, needing to get into having healthy conflict. Um, but people shy away from conflict. Um, you know, he talks about this sort of this continuum of conflict that at one end you kind of have artificial harmony. <laughs> so, like, no one's engaging in conflict. Everybody's walking around with a smile sort of pasted on their face and um, not getting into it. And on the other end of the, the spectrum, you've got, you know, better personal you know, wars and things like that going on. Well, you don't want that either. But um, as he wrote about in Five Dysfunctions, it's like somewhere in the middle there is a, is a sweet spot for he healthy, passionate conflict in the team. You really want to uh, have people bring themselves into the workplace, you know, into their teams and to be able to argue and f you know, with passion for their for their good ideas. Um but that sweet spot, you know, can have a cliff on the edge of it. And, you know, if the team goes over that um, edge and it goes from sort of constructive debate into unhealthy debate, um, then people don't like that, right? They, they shy away from that. 
Um, but the really great teams that have that, that exercise that muscle and, and do that training know that sometimes they may find that edge, they may go over that edge, but if they can recover from that and come back and say, oh, look, you know, that, that did get out of hand. I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. I shouldn't have said those things. But if people can make the repair and come back, and now they're a stronger team because they've now realized, like, we can go this far <laughs> with our, bring our passion, um, and there's the edge, and we know where the edge is. The trouble is most teams have no idea where their limit is, and so therefore they, they stay at the shallow end of the mm -hmm. pool, you know, with artificial harmony, and people just button that stuff up. You know, they don't bring their passion. They don't bring their ideas, and the company loses in my opinion. So that, you know, that's one of the real challenges. And I, I'm i not perfect. I see it myself in my, in my life. I mean, you sort of choose sometimes in different contexts with different people, like, <laughs> am I going to get onto it <laughs> or am I not? <laughs> you know, how do I feel today about like, you know, going into having a difficult conversation? I mean, it's, it's never easy and straightforward, but I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, I love that. Um, Sheila Heen, who wrote the book, Difficult Conversations, has also been on the broadcast. And that's another great resource for cultivating uh, that kind of posture where you can or holding space where those can happen at Creative on Purpose. We we call it we, we have two ways of framing it. One is we can disagree without being disagreeable. Um, and the mm -hmm. other is naming without name calling. And I love you were referencing this, like sometimes there's an elephant in the room. And if we don't name it, we've got a real problem because the, the elephant is still mucking up the works uh, and everybody sees it. Nobody's doing anything about it. But at the same time, you know, naming without shaming and blaming can be really, really important. So I appreciate all those, those different ways of looking at it. It's uh, super helpful and probably seems to be one of the biggest challenges we're having here in the United States these days anyways, is how can we, how can we agree to disagree um, and mm. do it without being disagreeable? One last, well, two last questions as we're coming towards the end of our time together. Um, you can reframe this in any way that 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 is useful or helpful to you. But I love to hear from guests about how they experienced, you know, whatever it felt like in the moment, a mistake, a failure, a missed opportunity, a misstep, whatever it was, was there, is there a moment that that you would have called that at the moment that you were able to either um, to your opening uh, about obstacles and, and being able to flip obstacles and turn them into the way. So, or where you drew uh, a lesson or a takeaway that even though, you know, the failure is still a failure, you were able to leverage the learning to be stronger, better, faster uh, in moving forward. Yes, that's a, that's a good question. <clears throat> what comes to mind is um, experience I actually had fairly early on in my career um, where <clears throat> we were working with a client um, who needed a lot of help and a lot of resources around them. And I'd gone and um, found some resources to, to help the client. And then uh, the person that I knew, you know, called me up one day and said, hey, you know, I haven't been paid for my work. Um, of course, I was deeply embarrassed by this. So, you know, um, 
I dashed off a, uh, a fax. It was back in those days when we used to have faxes <laughs> uh, to the client saying, you know, what's going on here? How come this person hasn't been paid? You know, all of this sort of stuff. But um, I was young and um, impetuous and maybe, you know, not as uh, thoughtful as I am today. And I obviously said some things in that fax which um, didn't land well with the client. And I actually got a handwritten letter back <laughs> saying, I never want to receive a fax like that uh, written in that tone ever again. You know, we'll fix this problem and, you know, it's rectified and things, but I never want to, you know, get something like that um, from you again. And I was kind of like, you know, that was really embarrassing too. Um, but it really is one of those sort of moments, you know, that makes you, um, you know, stayed with me my whole life is now to sort of like think, and pause, you know, before you react, right? And we sort of talk about this, you know, with my clients now and things like that. There's this gap <laughs> between mm -hmm. a stimulus and response. Um, and that day when I wrote that fax, I had no gap, <laughs> you know, but the more that we can sort of work by doing all of these things that we talk about with our clients, journaling and meditation and breath work and just take a moment, count to 10, <laughs> whatever it is, but create that gap uh, between a stimulus and a response and just think about what might be going on here, having that mindset of curiosity before judgment um, and those things. But it's, um, it was a, I'm glad I learned that lesson early on. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. In the Akimbo workshops, we call it intent impact moments. And, um, you know, we, I, I, I tend to believe that or assume good intent from from everyone. The problem is that but between your intention and my uh, and the impact it has on me, there's interpretation, and there's your interpretation and my interpretation, and they don't always um, fully align. And I, I agree that's a really powerful uh, that's a really powerful lesson to learn. And I think probably everyone that's tuning in can. Appreciate that they've experienced something similar. Well, mm. the last question uh, that I ask each guest is just around. You've already shared a lot of really helpful insight and um, tips for people like us who seek to fly higher and the difference only they can make. I'm just wondering if there is if there's one last tip, piece of advice, if you have a maxim that you follow, just something that will help the viewers here that either are aspiring to or wanting to advance in the difference only they can make, what would that be, Steve? So from the last year, you know, that we've been through this pandemic, um, which has really stressed um, a lot of us out. And I'm hearing, you know, people talk about burnout and, and exhaustion, you know, as we're coming out and wanting to move forward. One of the huge things that really struck me um, is this concept that our physiology and our psychology are not separate. Mm -hmm. And um, what that means is, you know, when we're getting triggered, when we're getting stressed, um, go into your body and in particular that your breath is the remote control for your nervous system. And that's something, um, you know, it came up on my radar about a year ago, you know, in a very sort of stressful time, but it's been something that I've been working with um, all of my clients on is just sort of like these times when you get triggered. You can always breathe. You can feel the breath coming in and out of your nostrils and you can just 
take a moment there to clutch in um, to you know your body and then to have your body um, get your brain um, back online and um, and working and, and thinking how, you know how you can get out of a stressful situation or a problem and I think it's just um, once again you know all of these systems and tools and other things that we talk about in helping people teams and businesses move forward like there's little things in there if you can stop yourself getting triggered and reacting and you can keep your you know cognitive powers online and problem solving you're going to be so much better off uh, moving forward into the future. Really, really love that. Great insight. Well, we want to thank everyone for tuning in. Stephen, I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Steve and the difference that he's making at catalator.com. And of course, it's always great to see you at creativeonpurpose.com as well. Now, take the insights and the inspiration from this conversation and put it into the difference that only you can make and keep flying higher. Steve Morris, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. Yeah, thanks, Scott. It's been great. Thank you very much for having me.